These are the very words of God from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him and sits on his glorious throne, the nations will assemble before him and he will separate them, people from people. Just like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then he will say to the ones on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, and take your inheritance, a kingdom which has been prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then those on his right will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you something to eat or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you, a visitor, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will look at them and say, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will turn to those on his left and say, depart from me, you cursed ones, into the fire prepared for devil and his angels because I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was thirsty, you did not give me something to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will turn to him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a visitor needing clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And he'll say to them, truly I say to you, whatever you did not do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did not do for me. And they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. The very words of God. Thank you, Jody. Um, there's something that is always different. When you open scripture and read it for yourself, or when I read it, or when you, have, when you just listen to someone recite it from memory. So I thank you for that and for using your gifts in that way. So that's the scripture that we're gonna be in. So if you've got Bibles and stuff, that's where you can be. It's gonna be on the screen here in a minute. Um, but we're kind of moving on from our conversation from uh, sort of connecting with people, talking about knowing and understanding who our neighbors are, and moving on to this idea of what it means then to serve, uh, to serve uh, those folks that live in our communities. And every time I think about service, the first thing I think about is when I go out to eat. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can have the best restaurant experience, go to the best place, have the, it's like cool atmosphere. The minute you walk in, you're like, I like this vibe it's got going on, right? And you're with your people and you go and you sit down and you have this great, um, this great uh, waiter or waitress server that comes to you and they're, um, they're fantastic. They're like, you know, they come and they're, they're fun and they're chat, but not too chatty. Cause when they're too chatty, you're like, all right, let's just get a roll in here. Um, Right, and then you get this food and this meal and it's amazing. And the only thing better is like what your friend got too, because you love that just as much. And it's just this overall amazing, wonderful sort of experience. So you go to a restaurant, that same restaurant, and everything is the same except 
the service is bad. And then it, it sort of taints your whole experience of whether or not you'll go back to that place, even though the food was amazing, or that's what you'll always say. Oh, it was really, really good, but man, service, not so good. Sometimes I think about that for us and for the church, right? Like people come, we want people to come and be in this place, right? And have a really good experience. A place where they can come and they can worship and they can experience God in new ways. And then sometimes we go where we're like at our best, five-star quality when we're in this place. And then we go out into the world and people could be like, that was bad service. (laughs) We don't always connect that very well. That's the way Jesus spent time with, right? We talk about how much Jesus spent time sharing meals with people. We've talked about meals and food and all what that means. When he was calling his disciples, he he shared with people. He got to know people. That was his entry point into a three-year journey, right? Jesus was playing the long game. So this idea of connecting and getting to know people and sharing was good, but it was like the very beginning. He's still in the starting blocks, so to speak, right? It's the very beginning of this ministry that he wanted to keep continuing. And so then we have to move into the next phase of relationship building so that we can prove to people as individuals that they are not projects. They are not something to be fixed or something that needs renovation or work, but they are people who have intrinsic value. And that oftentimes is difficult and messy work, right? We need to be authentic about who we are and vulnerable about our own life experiences. Those are two words that we sort of love and hate. Also, I think there's birds living inside here. And I'm sorry about that, but also make a joyful noise unto the Lord. <laughs> See what I did there? That was nice. But, but being authentic and being vulnerable are things that we need to do to be in relationship, in good relationship with other people, but they're the things we struggle with the most. We demand it of other people, but are seldom willing to go to those spaces in order to build relationship, right? No one can ask more of someone else than they're willing to give, right? We say that all the time. So it's these things that we understand here, but to get us to sort of move into this space where we can live and move and breathe and do, difficult. You remember last week when uh, Michelle was here, uh, for those of you that were here, she talked about a lot of things, but she mentioned about Jesus, right? Who washed his disciples' feet. Right, that was a task that was unpleasant. Uh, that was not, a, I mean, still today, I, I don't want to do that, right? Feet are sort of gross to me. I don't like them. <laughs> um, but think about, we think about biblical days where uh, they're going from town to town and the dust of the road is getting caked on their feet. And this is the, the act that Jesus does in service to. A person of Jesus' social, social status would never have participated in something like that, right? It was it was reserved, it was a thing that was reserved for the lowest, right? This is an entry-level, not great job, right? But we're somewhere to start. But Jesus humbled himself, right? Made himself lower to lift people up, to show that he is here to serve, right? That's sort of the society that we live in now, right? We, we want to be served. We sort of almost think it's an intrinsic right (laughs) that which we have here in the first world that we live in to have those sort of things. We pay people good money for services rendered. 
right, to do some of those unpleasant tasks ourselves. I have a 1,200 square foot condo and I pay someone once a month to come in and do a deep clean. Because I hate cleaning. Like I hate it. I hate it so much. I will pick things up. I will move things. I will reorganize things. But please don't make me like dust the top of the door frame. I don't want to do that. Baseboards, what? So I pay this wonderful woman who is very nice to me and does not charge me what most cleaning people would charge. Uh, but I, it's one of those things, I, I can pay for that. This thing that I don't wanna do, I can be served in that way by, by giving some money and having that happen. Jesus is really clear about the kind of hearts he wants us to have, right? Continuing to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. In Matthew 25, the verse that, that Jody shared with us, the scripture that Jody so beautifully shared with us, it's on the screen and you, and you can turn in your Bibles if you have one. There it is. I gotta get one of these like tables here or something like that, you know? So that's where we wanna be because this is what we wanna look at. We wanna look at the first sort of half of this. Jesus was always rooting for the underdogs, Right? The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Right, what do these things have in common? They're the underdogs, they're the powerless, the poor, the orphans, the widows, the, the imprisoned, the young, the old, the, the sick and the lame, the, the, the mentally ill, the social outcasts, the most vulnerable of society. Jesus calls them the least of these. Whatever you've done for these people, the least of these you've done to me. He wants those people to be equally important to us. That's, that's big, right? That's, that's, that's not how I normally think about or behave, right? We, he wants us to be equally important to us because if we don't take care of them, who will? If we don't see them, who will? Right, we have, our, we have government programs and nonprofits doing all this good work, but money and funds get slashed all the time, right? Budgets are always being cut for things. These people are spilling out into our streets and they're in our homeless shelters and they go to our schools and they sit in our coffee shops. And friends, we don't have to go to downtown Grand Rapids to find kids and families that are homeless, that don't have everything they need. They're harder to see here, right? Sometimes for us, because we have, we're really good at not seeing what we don't want to see. There's maybe people that have uh, not as high of concentrations in one area. We don't maybe have a, a park like downtown. If you were to go past Hearthside Park uh, by the downtown market, there'd be lots of homeless people gathered there. But I have a friend that works for uh, Jenison Public Schools and she comes in contact with kids all the time where she finds out they have this family has been living in their car. Right, Hand to Hand is a ministry in our area that started here that provides foods to, to, food to get kids through for the weekend. And it's a program that's growing like crazy. They can't keep up 
with all the, the schools that are saying, yes, we need this program in our schools. There are people that don't have enough. Love Inc. is associated with this program called Meet Up and Eat Up. So Caitlin, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a program associated with the state and they provide food for kids, but only the kids can eat. So if the parents come and want food, they, they can't. So Love has said, we're gonna come alongside this program and we're gonna provide food for families so the whole family can eat. And they are all over our area in Michigan, right? Come, you who are blessed by my Father, you have an inheritance. God is the source of the blessing. Christ lives within you. Therefore, be part of the solution. I was reading uh, this week, and I, for the life of me, can't remember where I read it. You know, you read articles, and you see things, and things pop up, and it was this idea that um, we spend a lot of time making the Bible complicated, Right, because if we uh, admitted how simple that it was, we would actually have to start living that way. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> That's, that is 100% true. We can pull apart things and we can sort of, um, I'm not gonna use the word argue, uh, have a conversation right, about ways that we interpret certain things. But the gospel is fundamentally easy easy to understand, maybe difficult to live into because we live in a world that where we believe things are fair and they're unfair. You have earned something or you have not earned something. Where we see things like homelessness and poverty and people that are on the fringes and the vulnerable and we assume it's because of poor life choices. And maybe sometimes that's true. But I don't know about you, but I've made some poor life choices. My whole 20s were a poor life choice, right? I wasn't out doing these great, but I was ter terrible with my, if I, money, oh my goodness, and credit card debt, oh, the credit card debt, and the student loans and all the things. And if I had made mistakes, where if I did not have a family that loved and cared about me and made sure that I wasn't going to be in those positions, I 100% would have put myself in that position. Maybe some of that is true for you. Because maybe that's true. Poor choices, those happen. Decisions are made. But in the end, who cares? Who cares how people get to these places? Does it matter to love them and show them compassion? Because we don't get to exclude people from our acts of compassion because our Father gives us everything we need knowing we deserved zero. So it's, easy, it's easier for us to sort of take that grace and that mercy for, uh, to be true for ourselves, but difficult for us to be able to share it. This is interesting. Um, as I was sort of, I kind of got off on a tangent, so I'm gonna take you on this tangent with me. So, sorry, hold on. 41% um, of the homeless population uh, are families with kids. And that's of this, like 2017, 40% of the homeless population, 41%, is made up of families with kids. It's the fastest growing segment of, of, homeless, of the homelessness population. So then in 2019, if you look at Grand Rapids, Wyoming, and Kent County, there are on any given night an average of 723 people that are, that are homeless, that don't have a place. 
in our area, 723. That's 11.1 people for every 10,000 group. So then, and if you add, maybe some of you live in the Holland, Ottawa County, there's, two, there's another 226 people, or 7.9 out of 10,000. And I don't say that because that's not, homelessness is not this thing that we're going to, necessarily we're going to be about and we're going to attack and this is our one thing, but it's a perspective of saying we oftentimes like to pretend it's not part of us. It's not part of the community that we live in because we live in places and times where that's not true. That doesn't affect my life. My, my power goes out and I lose all my food. Yeah, that stinks, but I'll go to the store and I'll buy it all again. Because the next level of people are these people in our community that are living paycheck to paycheck, where if they have one unplanned emergency, then the whole thing could bottom out. Their car breaks down. Somebody in the family gets sick and then can't go to their work and then they lose their job. It just, there's, the life that we live and the life that we're used to living and seeing and the people that we spend time with are a, are a small fraction of the way that other people in our community do, right? And I think there's, there's just, we forget because we don't see always with our own eyes. And everybody has a story, a story that, that of how they got to the place they got to. But instead of sometimes wanting to hear and listen to those stories, we like to make up their story for them. When we see people, we say, oh, well, I bet. I'm not gonna give them that 20 because probably gonna spend it on booze. Stories, they have stories, people that we are not secluded from any of those things because we live in West Michigan where there's a church on every corner, right? You, you tell people that you're part of a new church plant. I'm part of a new church plant. I'm so excited. We're gonna be in Granville. That's just what Granville needs, another church. Do you hear that response in community sometimes? I know it kind of cracks me up, right? Because in some ways I'm like, man, they're kind of right. But if the church was sort of doing what it was supposed to do, we could be part of the solution to some of these things. All right, Jesus came to serve the least of these and he wants us to do the same. He's got people in two separate groups. The ones on his right and the ones on his left. And whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. The impression that we get here though when they ask those questions is like, Lord, when did we see you thirsty? When did we see you hungry? When were you in, when were you in prison and we, did, we came to visit you? When? I don't understand. That, that sort of impression always sits with me and it sat with me even more listening to you say it is it seemed like it wasn't a big deal. When did we see you do these things? They weren't working an angle. They, weren't, they were treating the people the way that they had seen Jesus treat people. They, weren't, they were so worried about we're so worried about being taken advantage of in this world that we live in. Well, you, you gotta be careful because you never know, you could be getting scammed or taken. But if you're a servant, you cannot be taken advantage of, right? It's impossible. It's impossible if you are going to serve someone to be taken advantage of. In Romans, Paul calls himself a slave to Christ. Slaves have no rights of their own and they have to do the bidding of their masters. Yes? It's an analogy in, in, that people understood, especially in that day. 
There were slaves and there were masters. And he says, I'm a slave to Christ. What he says, I will do. I will follow his example and I will go where he calls me to go. That is difficult for me to live into. I want that for myself, but oh, I have to give up things then. And I don't like to give up things. Someone cleans my house, 1,200 square foot. Someone, I don't want to give up my time. I don't want to do something I don't want to do. We're hesitant people. I think and we're growing to be that way even more, right? We're hesitant to commit to something. I was having a conversation with a friend and she, she said, it's just been sort of like frustrating. I get it. Like in this society, we have FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. So sometimes we live our lives that way. I want to say yes to you, but something better could come up, right? What if something better comes up? Um, what if, um, you know, there, a call to serve, an opportunity for something that you can be a part of, and it's like, yeah, but somebody else will probably do it. You guys used to hear that, right, when I was, before I worked for a church, we really need people in nursery. Please do nursery. I could do nursery. Somebody else probably do it. I don't have kids. I don't, that's fine. I used to do that all the time, all the time. Like, so I figured that it would be okay because somebody else would take care of that. But serving is an investment of your time and your energy. Right? To serve someone, take someone from your connecting moment, your backyard barbecue, and it invites them into your home. And your home is where you do life. Home is where you are the most you. It's where you can see pictures of your family on the wall and your messy bathroom and toys on the floor. And this is where you live your life. A friend of mine always said, anytime you want to come over and be part of our mess, you're welcome. Like, I don't have to clean up and make sure everything looks perfect for you, which goes against everything this Dutch girl was taught. Like, you clean and you make sure everything looks perfect. And before you vacation, you better clean the insides of the closets and the junk drawer because what if you die on vacation, <laughs> right? And then people will go into your house and they will see the way that you have lived. Could there be anything worse? But home is where you are the most comfortable and you invite people in to that space to join you, right? Living lives of service to the least of these, to the, to the marginalized, to the vulnerable, has to go beyond our volunteer work. Volunteer work is really, really good. There's so much to, to do and there's so much, there's so many things that you can involve in. You can talk to Caitlin. She'll, she'll connect you with a million different things that love has to offer and you should do that. But, but for us, I want it to be like a gateway drug for you. This idea of serving where, where you go and you be a part of this thing and you meet other people and it's less about what you do and maybe the clothes that you sorted, but the relationships that you built and you understand what that feels like. Because we want to live lives of service. The goal for our whole lives is to be about service. Where it feels like no big deal. Where Jesus, Jesus would say to you, I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me a cup of cold water. What? When did I do that? And Jesus will look at you and say, your whole life's been about that. I've watched you show compassion and mercy. I've listened to your prayers. I've seen you reach out to the most vulnerable. I have seen the way that you treat the stranger in your midst. In Mark chapter one, um, there's a story about a man uh, with leprosy. And leprosy was 
the, one of the worst things, right, that you could have. It made you unclean, and we also knew that to be unclean meant you were outside of community. People couldn't touch you, and, but leprosy was a little bit different because leprosy not only made you unclean, but it was actually communicable. Catchable? Did I do it right? Contagious? Better word. Um, <laughs> you could get leprosy if you touched somebody else, and it was a terrible, terrible disease, Right? And so they were outcasts. They'd actually come to town and they'd have to shout that they were coming unclean, unclean as they came into a place. So this man with leprosy came to Jesus and said, would you make me clean? And it says Jesus doesn't turn away. He doesn't, he doesn't scold him. And actually the scripture says that he moved with compassion and anger at what he perceived as unfair treatment. Right? So Jesus reaches out and he touches him. And he wasn't infected by the man because he's Jesus. Because Jesus was more contagious with the life of the kingdom than the leper was with his disease. I'm gonna say that again. Jesus was more contagious with the life of the kingdom than the leper was with his disease. And you know, if the spirit of God lives inside you, then you are like that too. We fear sin sometimes. And I get it because it is invasive and destructive and we are called to be holy. Right, there's a certain amount of that I understand. But to understand the message of Jesus, sin is not nearly as contagious as the life in the kingdom of God, amen? We can't help people unless we actually care about them. Jesus continued to reach out, healing lepers, blessing kids, washing feet until they finally killed him. That was what his whole life in ministry was about, was this idea of service. How do we care about people? How are we willing to be in relationship with people? When you get to know people, and I mean really know them, it's difficult not to love them. I was working at um, Ferris State, uh, Grand Valley State University, no, Ferris State University in Big Rapids, and um, of the uh, group of hall directors, um, there was 11 of us, and six of them, were um, somewhere in the, the LGBTQ community. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I was so uncomfortable. It was my first sort of time, my first time in a non-Christian environment, both in school and in work. Um, they didn't pray before staff meetings, which was insane to me. What do you mean I'm gonna pray, right? And I was uncomfortable because I didn't, this was sort of my first interaction with this particular community. And I didn't like it. And then I met Brian Kelly. And, and Brian Kelly said to me, honey, you can't catch gay. It's fine. And I began to get to know Brian and be in relationship with Brian. And it was hard not to love Brian. Brian and I still disagreed about a million different things. But Brian and I were now in a relationship where we cared about each other and he taught me so many things. And I, in turn, got to teach him things and share the gospel with him, which I never would have been able to do had I not been in a relationship with him because I knew that the kingdom of God is contagious. So we're gonna, we're gonna get to the rest of Matthew 25 because there's a whole other group of people that Jesus talks directly to. But I wanna leave you with Mark 10 up on the screen. Jesus called them together, it's his disciples, 
He said, you know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man, me, Jesus, came, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life for a ransom for many. Right? If Christ is willing to give his life as a ransom for many, we can take time to care about those people. Those people that he loved enough to die for, we serve them. Oftentimes we talk about social justice and serving the vulnerable in our communities, and it can be a conversation that starts to, to become quickly politically divisive, right? There are groups of people that think this way and that way, and you can get in arguments about it, and you can maybe blow up Facebook about it, and you can do those things, But no matter what side of the political aisle that you're on, people matter. And we believe that. You know, a government program or nonprofit programs are doing wonderful things. But if we want to be part of the long-term solution, it's up to us. Up to us to build relationships with those in our community that Christ already loves. And I think we can do it. We're going to talk more about it in the next couple, couple, couple weeks. Next week... Um, Pastor Susan is going to be here and she's going to share the next piece with you and I'm going to go over to Alive in Jenison and be part of that and to talk to them about what it means to serve in our communities. Stay with me. Stay on this train. I think it's going to be good as we discover how much God loves the others. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are and for who we get to be when we stand in the light of Jesus Christ. You equip us with everything that we need. You were the greatest example that we have to live by because you love the world with reckless abandon. God, you sent your son into the world not because you were mad at us or ashamed of what we'd become, You sent your son Jesus out of your great love for us. We can learn things from you. We need to learn things from you. Lord, we ask that you change our hearts and make us new and and give us the same heart that you have. Help us to see. We sing these songs, God, that says, open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. That's a big prayer. Help that to be true for us. Help us to maybe look inside our own lives and see where some of our prejudice lie, where some of our mm, making up our own stories for people. And help us to to take the time to listen, listen and to build relationships so that we can hear other people's story and where your story intersects. Because you are the Lord of us all. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray and we believe. Amen.